Good morning. Welcome to Hope Community Church, those of you who are here and those who are joining us virtually. Uh, Happy New Year. We're beginning a new series. We're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, And we're going to be doing an overview today, and then we'll look at the fruit week by week and try to get a sense for the kind of things that God wants to put in our lives. Um, Let me pray for us to begin. Father, thank you for your spirit and how your spirit creates in us the attitudes that you desire from us. What you expect from us and want from us, you provide. And I pray that as we think about the fruit of the spirit, that we would learn more clearly how it is that we can have a life more characterized by love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I pray that you'd give us clarity so that we might know how you would have us uh, think in order for these behaviors to and attitudes to characterize our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in, the, we're in a new year. New years are times of resolutions. It's safe to say, I think many of us would wish to be more characterized in our life by love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And then the question we're going to try to deal with then over the course of the weeks is how can we see these fruit characterized more in our lives? Before Paul answers this question for us in his letter to the Galatians, a little bit of background I think will help just so that we can understand uh, what he, where he's coming from. Um, after Paul shared the gospel which is the message of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. When the Galatians heard this message, they responded very well to it, and they were filled with faith and hope and love. And after Paul departed to go elsewhere, other teachers arrived who bullied these new believers into believing that in order to be accepted by God, they needed to observe all of the Jewish old covenant laws. They were led to believe that God's acceptance lay on the far side of complying with obligations to get circumcised and follow dietary things and holy day obligations. And what ended up happening, um, that they started doing these things and the faith, hope, and love that had been characterizing them started to give way to craving, contempt, and conflict. And, And what Paul does, he sends this letter to clear up the confusion so that the fruit of the Spirit might again begin to be generated within them. Here's what he says in chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Paul tells them flatly that observing these laws that they've 
been told that they needed to observe by somebody other than Paul will be like committing spiritual suicide. And Paul is very alarmed at this change in thinking that he sees happening in them. In Paul's mind, sacred legalism was far more dangerous than secular humanism. And when we think of a culture that kind of doesn't even believe in God, that's a serious thing. For Paul, though, he saw that those individuals who did believe in God, but didn't believe the right things about God, that type of influence was more dangerous than not believing in God at all. Paul writes Galatians to send to set these new believers back on the right path. He explains why it is so important to develop covenant clarity. Our passage that we'll look at over the coming weeks in which the fruit of the Spirit is found is from Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to begin to read in verse 16. Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When it talks about there are two different sets of desires leading to two different behaviors, Two lists. We're going to deal with each of the fruit of the Spirit in the upcoming weeks, one per week. Let's get a sense of what these words characterizing the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Let's try to get just a little bit of an idea of what each of these qualities is talking about. And again, as you think about these, Paul is thinking about how the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are happening in a sacred church context. Paul's concern is not with society that doesn't believe in God, but with individuals that do, and this is his focus. Let's look at the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality is it's a generic term for sexual sin of any kind. Impurity is a state of moral impurity, especially with reflect, respect to sexual sin. Sensuality is lewdness, crude and offensive behavior. It's the kind of behavior lacking in moral restraint. Idolatry is the reverence and worship of idols. Sorcery the use of spells and potions of magic, often involving drugs, 
Enmity is hostility and antagonism. Strife is quarreling and dissension. Jealousy is craving. Zealous ill will. Next one. Envy is contempt and disdain. Drunkenness is drunken behavior. Orgies are excessive drinking and unrestrained sexual activity. Those are the works of the flesh. And then he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And let's look at those. Love is the active love God's people are to have for God, each other, and even enemies. Joy is to be glad and to rejoice. Peace is harmony, a lack of strife, reconciliation, people being able to get along with each other. Patience is forbearance, the capacity to be able to live with tension. Kindness is usefulness. It's when there is suitable and appropriate behavior. Goodness is virtuous, generous behavior. Faithfulness is actions based on trust. Gentleness, meekness, and humility. And self-control is self-restraint and abstinence. So what we have here, there is two sets of desires leading to two different sets of beliefs. There's a war within. And here's what Paul says. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what it's describing, we are dwelt, there's like a war within. There's two different sets of desires leading to two different sets of behaviors. We have a set of desires that leads in the direction of the kind of things characterized by the works of the flesh. And then we also have within us a set of desires that is, if we're Christians, that is in line with what the Spirit desires for us. When we gratified the desires of the flesh, we end up doing the works of the flesh. When we gratify the desires of the Spirit, we end up doing the fruit of the Spirit. So here's the question. How do we manage this war within? One of the more important things that we're going to have to do, and we'll hopefully be able to accomplish that this, this, this morning, we have to figure out when Paul talks about flesh and when he talks about spirit, we need to be clear about what he's saying. Because when we gratify the desires of the flesh, we get the works of the flesh. When we gratify the desires of the spirit, we need to we gratify the we develop the, the fruit of the spirit. So what is flesh and what is spirit in his? Is flesh just bodily things? And our spirit desires non-bodily things? In this letter. Here's what I think flesh is, human nature, under the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is, you're blessed if you behave, and you're cursed if you misbehave. Flesh is the human nature, how human nature responds under Old Covenant commandments. Spirit is human nature under the New Covenant. When God says, I will put my laws in your mind and write them on your hearts, I will be your God and you will be my people. 
I will be Helios or merciful, generous, benevolent to your unrighteousnesses and will remember your sins no more. So flesh is what happens when you believe that God is going to bless you if you obey and curse you if you disobey. That's what the old covenant says. Flesh is what happens when you live under the jurisdiction of that type of understanding when you see God doing that. The kind of things that are going to happen are characterized by the works of the flesh. On the other hand, if you believe that God's new covenant is in operation, the fruit of the Spirit are the kind of things that are going to start to be generated in you as the belief in the new covenant becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. As you begin to understand, wait a minute, God is going to put his law in my mind and write it on my heart. You start to believe a little bit more deeply, you know what, I'm going to get to know God, but he's going to cause me to know him. And I don't need to be afraid when I do something that the Bible describes a sin because he is going to be merciful, gracious, and benevolent to my unrighteousnesses. And he's going to remember my sins. What's going to happen gradually as the focus, and it doesn't happen all at once, as the focus goes where more of our thinking moves from a flesh, human nature under the old covenant, to spirit, human nature under the new covenant, as this transition happens, more and more of the fruit of the Spirit begin to be developed within us. We become gentler with ourselves and others. This is not a process that happens quickly. It happens over time, so don't be impatient with yourself, because God isn't. He's not impatient with you. He understands that it takes time. Think what you see then, the war within is about desires produced by the old covenant versus desires produced by the new covenant. The war is not about, I want you to listen to me, the war is not about sacred desires versus secular desires. That's not what flesh and spirit means. It's about sacred desires versus sacred desires. It's the kind of sacred desires created by the old covenant versus sacred desires created by the new covenant. Does that make sense? That's really important to understand. It's about the way we think when we think about God. The Galatians said yes to the new covenant, and they believed that God loved them and that they were forgiven. Then, when these other teachers came in, they said yes to the old covenant too. And that's when things started to go awry. This is when the fruit of the Spirit decreased and the works of the flesh increased. This is when they stopped walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, we'll use this word, we... we it requires covenant clarity. Covenant clarity is understanding what covenant God operates by, walking by the Spirit, and having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is dependent on a progression, a progressive clar covenant clarity. Um, when we think of Old Covenant, you know, we don't 
naturally, we don't think about sacrifices and things like that. But we, old covenant thinking kind of creeps into our mind. If we, if we do something wrong, it's easy for us to believe God doesn't like me. He's going to punish me. And he's, something bad's going to happen to me. That reflects old covenant thinking, where you're blessed if you obey and cursed if you disobey. And that kind of thinking, that's old covenant thinking. It's when we think, well, I'm not going to have a good day because I didn't pray this morning. Again, prayer is really important. But when we start to think that God's going to bless me if I pray and curse me if I don't, that reflects more an old covenant mindset. A new covenant mindset is I can be honest with God about what I'm thinking and feeling because what God wants most from you, and the reason why he puts a new covenant in place, God wants a, and I'm using my word carefully, a relationship with you. What he wants you to do is to come into his presence and speak freely with him and openly to tell him what you think and want and feel, even if you don't like what you think and want and feel. God wants our honesty with him. He wants to develop a relationship. One way to distinguish between old covenant and new covenant thoughts, correction then connection versus connection then Correction. We've talked about this before. Correction, then connection, is old covenant thinking, where you have to change something wrong in order for God to connect with you. That reflects an old covenant mindset. The new covenant mindset is connection, then correction. We all have things in our life that are not in line with the way we might want it to be. Look at the list. You might see some of those things on the left side, the works of the flesh. You might see them in your life. If not sexual immorality, but envy, gossip, divisions, fits of anger. The thing about the, the list is that those kind of things occur in churches. And we might we deal with those things. If we wanted to do less of the works of the flesh and more of the works of the Spirit, one thing that's going to be helpful is understanding why we do the works of the flesh to begin with. When we believe that we need to be corrected before we can be connected with God, that needs to change to this kind of thing where you might understand uh, you've got a problem with um, you've got a problem with something, um, and I could come to you. Let's say I'm going to pick on somebody. Pick on you, okay? You've got you do some you do some of the things on the right side of the list, but you do some things on the left side of the list too. So I'll tell you what: if you will fix and stop doing the things on the left, then we'll have a connection, you and I. So okay, you fix the things and stop doing them, and then we'll have a relationship. That's correction, then connection. It's not the way God sees it. The way God sees it is, okay, you, you do have some issues. <laughs> you do some of the things on the left. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's have a relationship. I want you to be honest with me. I want to let you know that I care about you, and I want your honesty, so let's have a relationship. And in the context of this relationship, how about if we work on some of the things in the left 
and replace them with some of the things on the right. Does that feel different? It really does. Correction, then connection, is how the flesh works. Connection, then correction, is how spirit works. And it's, it's difficult, but that's the way as we learn that this is how God thinks, as it settles into our mind gradually, gradually, we start to see ourselves as we develop covenant clarity, less of the things that characterize the works of the flesh, more of the things that characterize by the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're going to remind ourselves about this in upcoming weeks, but we're going to look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in the weeks to come. And what I want us to remember this week is that, remember what flesh and spirit is. Flesh is human nature under the old covenant. Spirit is human nature under the new covenant. And what we want to do is we want our thinking slowly, gradually, to be in line with new covenant operations, which is God connects with us in order and then corrects us within the context of that connection. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the new covenant. And thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that grows out of an ongoing familiarity with it and belief in it. Our thinking doesn't change quickly. We naturally move towards you when we think we've done good things and move away from you when we haven't. And what you want is to understand that you understand what we do, but you want us to come to you not being afraid of you. You want the, well, it says perfect love drives out fear. And I pray over the course of these weeks, as we think about your love and, and the kind of things that you produce, that we would find ourselves being changed are thinking about where you would be transformed into a more you connect in order to you connect and then correct so that the fruit of the spirit might might grow in our lives gradually in Jesus name amen